Well, welcome everybody to the first rainy day of 20, 2018. Actually, there was no snow. We finally had this. Uh, wow. I mean, it's so nice to wake up and have the, uh, to hear that drip, drip, drip. Uh, I love that. Uh, I want to uh, just welcome everyone. It's so good to have you. I, I love seeing all the people coming in from out of town. I hope you feel super just at home here at OB Joyful. Um, one thing that uh, you may not know is that uh, the, the number of families in the local community that go to OB Joyful are about 135. So if you multiply that by three, you get up close to 400. And what that means is that 10% of the whole valley from, from uh, CB South North, North is a part of OB Joyful Church. Okay, so that's, yeah, that was a lame clap, but it's okay. I, it's, it's a rainy day. Uh, that's fine. But uh, the, thing, the thing about that is, um, and I just want to mention this to everybody, you know, whether you're a guest or, or local, and that's that uh, if 10% of, and that's not just people who sometimes show up, it's, it's people who care about Obi Joyful. Not all are believers, but most are. Um, don't you think that we should have a pretty huge impact in our town? I mean, we know, between us, we know everybody, right? Every single person and lots of overlap. And y'all, um, just been thinking about that lately. If our town and the people of our town don't look to the church of Jesus as a place where they can find peace and help and rest and encouragement and love, uh, then that's not their fault right? So I just want to just throw that out to you is, you know, when, you, when you're here, you really have the opportunity to have an impact in our town. And that's cool. So enjoy that today as you go out in, in this week as you're involved. I just, that's just been on my heart. I just wanted to share it with you. Uh, Katie just read to us a passage from 2 Samuel that is so messy, if you grew up in the church, you might have listened to it uh, or read it really quickly and been like, oh yeah, he died and she did that and this happened, well, you know, and we just move right along. But if you're really listening, and I appreciate the way Katie read that, you probably heard some pretty disturbing things. This is a, this is a passage that is not clean and pretty and uh, just totally uplifting. It has all kinds of stuff that is it is hard to hear. I mean, just a quick recap. David has become the king. He's set up Jerusalem as the city of David, and you probably saw that mentioned in the passage. So the city of David is just a few miles away from the place where the ark has been. The ark is this uh, very important thing that was created to remind the people of who God was. It wasn't God it didn't have God in it. It wasn't an idol. I brought this, this, uh, this old box right here because the, the ark was just a little bit bigger than that right there. And I thought it might be illustrative just to see that thing. Um, so they get this, David gets 30,000 people. He's going to have a huge parade. All of his army, all of the people who are in, in, in power come and probably line, can line the whole path for, between the two places, the whole road. Well, they they get the ark and they're bringing it over in a new ox cart, right? And then Uzzah, who's one of the priests, he touches the ark and God is angered. He dies right there. That, that should upset us. That's really weird. 
And David is angry at God and stops the whole procession. It, go, it turns into a funeral, right? It was a celebration with instruments and everything. Now it's a funeral. And David uh, just turns the ark aside right there, puts it in somebody's house. And three months later, he comes back and gets it. And, and he, in the meantime, he must figure out, this is how I should do this. They, they carry it back to Jerusalem, to the city of David correctly. But when, when they do that, there's a little note about David celebrating. He dances with all his might. Did you see that? And then there's a note about what his wife, McCall, thinks about that. She didn't like it, right? She despised him in her heart. Okay, now this is a story, a narrative written about the king, the greatest king of Israel, right? King David, a guy who there's more written about in the Bible than anyone else. And what this shows is a failure to plan, a surprise that that planning didn't work out because he was going impulsively to do something. And then the, his wife, going from someone who loved him to someone who despises him. And so publicly, for the record, for us to read thousands of years later, is she despised him. How many of you guys want, you know, the closest person in your life to be written up for thousands of years as despising you? This is a messy passage, right? But here is what is good. David earnestly desires relationship with God. That's why he's going to get the ark. For 30 years, it's been set aside. He, the ark is this symbol to encourage and remind the people of the presence of God. And he wants to not only bring it close to himself, but bring it close to the seat of his people, to the capital so that they remember who God is and they remember his presence. They remember how important he is. And that's what he wants. He wants relationship with God to be just as firm and as restored and as glorious as it can be for his people. And that's why he's going to get this. This is, this, y'all, I believe at the core of everything that we're looking for in life, whoever you are, wherever your soul is spiritually or just in life in general, what we're really looking for is relationship with God. Because anything else that, other than a relationship with God will leave us wanting. Okay? Just, let me just set that out in front. You can test it for the rest of your life. Relationship with God is what we desperately, desperately want. He's made it possible. In every, we try to fill ourselves with everything else and we will always be wanting. So David's desire to be close to God, to be in relationship with God, to have his people be close to God is very important and a very good thing. He just goes about it in kind of a David way, kind of uh, out of control, a little bit crazy. But here's, here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you to look at this thing that happens, this process of David trying to be in a better relationship with God. I'm, what I'm saying is I think that's what I need and want and you need and you want is to be in closer relationship with him. And this story gives us three characters that are the human characters in the story that have a di- different relationships with God. One is Uzzah or Uzzah, and one is Michal, and one is David. And the, I want to break these three points I have for you up into the kind of a definition that I gave their relationship as I see it with God. And so for Uzzah, I would say that he had a, a, a relationship with God that would be characterized, characterized by lifeless religion. Lifeless religion. And Michael, 
she had a, a relationship with God that was characterized by stifling appearances. And then David, David had a joyful response in relationship to God. So I want to just look at each of those and try to connect, see where you fit in, which parts of those are for you. And maybe we look at what is, uh, what relationship with God might be like, a, a joyful response. So Uzzah, I wonder if his name, you know, clearly that's his real name, but man, that's some foreshadowing right there. I think I'm going to name my son Uzzah. I mean, come on, Uzzah. His name, it just foreshadows that thought of just dull and stale. And I don't, I don't think that's the point of it. When I read it and see what happened, that's sort of the feeling that I get. And, and I'll just tell you, it doesn't say that in the story. But if you sort of zoom out and look at what happens, follow the narrative, you can sort of see what is happening with Uzzah. And you can make predictions about what his spiritual life is his relationship with God might have been like. For one, he has been, since he was young, someone who had the ark around him. So he has the ark in somewhere in his home or nearby it, and he and his brother are in charge of watching over it. So for 30 years, this guy's been doing the same thing with this ark, which probably wasn't a lot. Some of us have followed Jesus for a long time since we were a little kid, maybe. And I wonder if there might be some staleness that's grown into our lives over that time. Because when it's the same thing over and over and over and over and over, then it starts to get to where it's a little bit dull. You know, I have this uh, super puffy jacket I got when I first moved here. And uh, it, it's like a sleeping bag. It's so awesome. So when it gets cold, I always forget about this jacket, actually. Um, I mean, look, it's even big on me. That's super, that has never happened. Um, and uh, so when it gets super cold, when it's down below zero, I, I go, oh, yeah, I got that awesome puffy jacket in my closet. And I go get this jacket and I put it on. And I'm like, man, I love this thing. You know, on those cold times, you put it on, it's like the best. And I wear it like three times. And then I hang it up. And I forget that I ever, I forget about it. I, seriously, this year I f- had forgotten about it. And when it got cold that one day, I went and got it. I think, I think maybe Uzzah had uh, gotten used to his relationship with God to the point where it didn't really have much impact and kind of forgot. Uh, another reason I think that is, is the ox cart situation. They actually put the ark on ox cart. Now, you would never do that in those days. I mean, they knew that the, the ark had to be carried by four specific kinds of people, these Levite priests with poles that went through these little... Uh, rings that it had on the side. So you would never put it on a cart, but he did. And that just shows his disregard for what this thing is. 
It's just gotten to be ho-hum and just a, a regular everyday thing. And he, he's, not cons- he's just not concerned about the things that go with it. And then he touches it with his hand. Now, you may think, well, it was going to fall over. He knew he could not touch it. And this is, I, I read a book, a little a chapter in a book about this, and, and it was saying that this guy, maybe there was some sense in which he thought, oh my gosh, if the ark gets dirty or touches the ground, something's happened that's not good, right? Well, it, it does make sense. But the point of the, the guy writing the book was saying, you know what? We don't have to protect God from people or people from God. We just need to walk with God in relationship. We don't have to keep him from getting dirty. You know, I think that what happened over time is that Uzzah put God, kind of put God in the box, you know? So God's in here or something, and then he took it, and he moved it, you know? I'm not going to go too far for time purposes, but he just put it way back in the back, and it was something that became rote for him. It was just a thing that existed. And then you come to that part where it says God kills him. Does that shock anybody? Does that bother anybody? Okay, it should, if it doesn't. God is so angry with him, he kills this guy. It's so important, y'all, when we read the scripture, when we read any part of scripture, that we don't try to take one little thing and lift out this situation and say, this is what happens in all situations, for one thing. What we know over all scripture is that God is merciful and compassionate and long-suffering, right? So, instead of thinking, oh, that's so unfair, maybe we zoom out and realize, if that happened, did it have to happen? So we want to look at things from an anthropomorphic or anthropocentric position. We want to say, it's just our point of view that matters. But we've got to go around and say, what does God say? And, and you know, in the end, when we rebel against God, there is a consequence to that, right? It, that's in the scripture, and that's a hard truth. But here's the beauty of the truth on the other side of it, is that God doesn't expect us to pay the penalty. He actually stepped in himself and sacrificed himself so that we wouldn't have to die for our rebellion against him. That's the whole story. So if you get too focused on that, hey, that's not fair, that's not fair. I get it, because it doesn't seem fair. But if it happened, it had to happen. So God didn't ruin the parade. The people ruined the parade. So I'll just ask you, has lifelessness begun to define your relationship with God? Are you like, could we name you Uzzah, Christian Uzzah? Okay, so then let's look at McCall. Uh, She has this stifling approach to her relationship with God. It's about appearances. I want to read to you again what she says about her husband. This is in 616. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. That must have been quite a sight, you know, leaping and, uh, you know, who knows. 
and she despised him. Man, that's a hard word, don't you think? And here's something we didn't read a little bit later in this passage, a little further down in in, uh, chapter 6, verse 20. And David returned to bless his household. Okay, so he comes back to his family. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. So in front of everybody in the family, she says, how the king of Israel has honored himself today. Uncovering himself, this is a real Victorian kind of culture, so it might have been that he just showed like his ankle or something, but to her, this was outrageous. He he uncovered himself today before the, get this, the eyes of his servants, female servants. What she's saying is you have lowered yourself in our culture to the lowest possible place. See, for her, relationship with God should look like a certain thing, right? Anybody ever bumped into this kind of relationship with God, this kind of religion? It should look a certain way. See, first, test this with yourself, because I I do this. I say, I want to fit into my culture and then apply my faith. And it's almost like putting lipstick on a dead body right? It, it doesn't really change the heart of the body. It's just on the outside. Instead of the relationship with God informing how we live in our culture. Do you see the difference? See, I think like Uzzah, she was actually um, putting God in a box too. It just had to be a certain kind of box. I think maybe... Like with this girl, with McCall, she might have been like, okay, that's, that's that good stuff about God and I've heard about that and, and all, but I think it should look a certain way. And so I'm going to live my life so that I look like everybody. I don't know if I can actually do this. No, I, I did practice it. It can be done. And I'm going to stuff potential. I'm probably just too old to do this or something. I don't know. No comment from over there. I'm going to stuff that relationship with God into this thing. looks all pretty. Perfect size. Carried around. Right? I'm just going to stop there. (laughs) Shove it in there. See, faith for her is guided by peer pressure. Faith for her is guided by the culture. Stuffed into something that's supposed to look a certain way. That's not relationship with God. That's just about appearances. I, I, I feel for us that we do that and we do the thing with the box and put it away because we're missing so much. And, and this is where we get to this thing that David does, this joyful response. See, David prepared for a celebration. Did you notice that? He gets 30,000 people and then he gets instruments and all this, right? And just, He's going to have a party both times that he goes to get the ark, 
I wonder if any of you have ever been to a cyclocross race. Has anybody been to one of those? Sure, it's probably like me. Two, one. All right, well, they're pretty fun. More people should go. <laughs> but one of the things that happens in a cyclocross race is that uh, you, it's just, everybody's just laughing and having fun on the side and high-fiving the racers when they go by. They hold out money and like food and things people go by. And so you're just having fun. You can grab that stuff or they'll put a $100 bill on the course in, in front of the leaders. And so somebody has to decide if they're going to leave it there in the mud or pick it up. That's fun. But the cowbell is awesome, right? I mean, when you hear a bunch of these, you're like, this is fun. We're going to have fun, right? Well, I think so. <laughs> and... Uh, David goes prepared with this kind of a cowbell thing. With, it says three of the five instruments were percussion instruments. So it must have been a really noisy thing. I remember one, in fact, I brought this. I, I, apparently I like eating up here, but um, one time I was in a cross race and somebody held out a donut and I went by and I passed it the first lap and I came back and I was like, forget it, I'm going to take it. So I grabbed it. I'm like, huh, little bite. I'm riding Turns out it was a jelly-filled donut. You know, I had thrown it down, but it got all over me. And it was just stuck to my handlebar. It was like, it was disgusting. But I just wanted to share that with you. Because <sighs> I wanted a snack. Uzzah. I wonder if Uzzah's faith was like this, like, was, was like a metronome, you know? You know? All the same. I don't think it's supposed to be like that. And I think, you know, for McCall, she wanted to set this up and say, yeah, that's me. I'm, I believe in God, I, you know. But it was just this facade. It was just this external thing, this whitewashed, stifled thing. David's route to joy was kind of a confusing one. One, his friend, a priest, dies. So he has a funeral, and David's angry. So part of the process of him coming to be joyful was that he had to go through harsh times. Think about that for a second. You know, his friends all probably said, this is the greatest idea you've ever had. Go get the ark. You should do it. We're all going with you. And it was all good. And then suddenly it all went wrong, right? How many of us have said, God, I just tried to do the right thing. I cleaned myself up. I did what you asked. I thought I was following you. And then everything got jacked up. Well, that's what happened to David. The good thing started out with something really hard. But he was determined to have relationship with God. And he went back and he gets the ark again and he does it correctly. And it says he dances with all of his might. That must have been an interesting thing to see. And when I read that and I think, wow, you know, is that what it looks like to to have joy in, in my relationship with God, to dance with all of my might? You guys don't want me to do that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> 
would be super awkward. And I have a friend, uh, some of you know him, uh, John O'Neill, and uh, we ride bikes once a week together, and uh, it never fails that we're riding. And he's a, he likes to go deep, and he will say, you know, once we're kind of at a, a steady pedal, he'll say, at some point, what I really want is to know to experience knowing God, to really feel the joy of what the relationship I could have with God could be like. He wants that, and there's a longing for it. And every time he says it, I'm like, man, I want that too. And I, I, appreciate, him, I appreciate him reminding me of that desire. But for me, y'all, I swing basically between these two things, the metronome like of this is what I do, and the I better make it look good so I fit into my culture okay. But what's cool about David's situation that we can clearly see is that a range of responses for us are probable, but somewhere in there, there's a couple of things he does. One thing is he is not concerned what other people think. So if there's anything we can do to move beyond worrying about what other people think about our relationship with God, that's, that is a, a clearly a good step. And secondly, it was between him and God. He was focused on God. He was not focused, as much as he ignored the other people, what people said, even his closest friend, he still had this, uh, he, it was simply between the two of him and God. And that was honored by God. And he brought music with him. Three little things you could definitely see about what happened with David. And here's my prayer for us, y'all, as people at Obi Joyful. If you're a believer, I mean, my prayer would be that we would leave behind the two extremes of uh, appearances and just rote religion, just doing stuff to look good for God and that we would enjoy relationship with him, that we would respond in joy when we realize what he's really done. And that's, that's what I want to, I want to close with just coming back to that messiness of this passage, the death and the celebration and all these things kind of going together somehow. Uh, if we zoom out and look at the whole scripture and we go up to the right to the New Testament we see something similar happen. We, seen, we see humankind condemned, a messy thing. And we see God coming into that picture to make it right on his own. Jesus chose to sacrifice himself so that we would not have to die for our rebellion. That, that's messy. And it's beautiful. You know, the story of the gospel is... is uh, it's hard to look at the Messiah on a cross and the death and stuff that surrounded that. But the point of that was to renew our relationship with God through faith. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's foreshadowed in this crazy story of David and Uzzah and Michal. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for the hard things that we see in the scripture. Let us have the boldness and courage to step into them and wait around and see what you're really doing. Uh, Lord, I, I pray we would be as a body and those of us who are followers of yours, God, that when we go out of here, that the joy that we have in you would be reflected. Lord, we need you to change our hearts for that. And I pray that you would. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, y'all have a, go a good rest of the morning, 930.